Hello, my friends. It's Sunday, February 19th, 2023. Welcome to the Informed Catholic. My name is Mitch Jabbar. This is the Informed Catholic. So, this is going to be the last Sunday of Ordinary Day. It's going to be the sixth Sunday of uh, Ordinary Time. Uh, we're approaching Ash Wednesday, the Great Lent. And so we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to do the reading. Sorry about last week. I'll go over, uh, we'll do things a little differently. I'm going to go over uh, the readings from last week. Uh, so, you know, we can just sort of catch up, but we're going to go over Lent. We're going to go over the opportunity of what Lent brings to us. Of course, we have this opportunity throughout the year, the opportunity to have a beautiful relationship, to renew our relationship with God, to purge ourselves of sin. We have this opportunity all year round, but collectively as a church, as the body of Christ, this opportunity is given out to all of us to prepare for Holy Week, to prepare for Easter. We're going to go over it. So let's start with um, last week's reading, which I didn't get a chance to put out in a podcast. So let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in all of us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, O Lord, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Amen. Lord, speak, for your servants are listening. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So, all right, let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All right, so last week... um, the readings, um, okay, so we're now we're going to be, this is, last week was, uh, hold on. Ah, uh, here it is. It was uh, the sixth Sunday, and this is was Sirach's, um, um, the reading from Sirach. It's chapter 15, verse 15 to 20. If you choose, you can keep the commandments. They will save you. If you trust in God, you too shall live. He has set before you fire and water. To whichever you choose, stretch forth your hand. Before man are life and death, good and evil. Whichever he chooses shall be given him. Immense is the wisdom of the Lord. He is mighty in power and all-seeing. Okay, hold on. The eyes of God are on those who fear him. He understands man's every deed. No one does, no one does he command to act unjustly. To none Does he give license to sin? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So. There it is right there. 
you can see as we slowly get to to Lent, as we slowly get to this beautiful time to intimately get close to our Lord, to be intimate, to renew our relationship. This opportunity is given to us every single day. And, you know, we get this opportunity to to really have a deep, intimate relationship. What does that mean? You hear this a lot, right? An intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means to be a saint. Saints are those who know God intimately, who have a personal relationship with him. This opportunity is important. To be holy means to be a saint. To know God means to be a saint. To love God means to be a saint. Doesn't require you to be, to have a a theological degree. Doesn't require you to have a philosophical degree. It doesn't require you to have uh, a degree in canon law. It doesn't require you to have a degree in scripture. All right. There are thousands of people out there, thousands of men and women who have those degrees and they're not saints. A saint is someone who loves God and seeks the will of God, seeks the will of the father, seeks the will of the son, seeks the will of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be a saint. And to avoid evil, but also to avoid, to, to, to wish the good, to want the good for others, to want others to have this relationship. It, to be a saint requires prayer. I'm not a saint. You know, I want to be a saint. And if, you know, just like the words of, of Joan of Arc, when I think she was on trial, they asked her, are you a saint? And she said, if I am, may God keep me there. If I'm not, may God bring me there. So that's how we should think. Never walk around with a puffed up attitude. Never walk around with a holier than thou attitude. That's not a saint. That's like being a Pharisee. No, a saint should be humble, should be humble and should be uh, meek. Little, the little flower, she wanted to be a saint. There's a book um, called Consoling the Heart of Christ. I was actually planning to do that for, for, for this Lent. And what I really wanted, I really, I really wanted something a little bit more f- focused on Christ. So I decided, you know, I'll do that afterward. Um, I decided to do the uh, life of Christ by Fulton Sheen. Um, I wanted to walk through the gospel. I wanted to, I wanted something that's, that was a little bit more targeted. I want a more targeted to Jesus for now. 
And it's been a good help. It's been a wonderful help uh, so far. I started reading it. And the beautiful thing about this is that, and I'm going to talk about it in a little while, is that Sheen really knew our Lord. Fulton Sheen, the venerable Fulton Sheen. I hope they make him into a saint. He he really, he knew our Lord deeply because he spent hours in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Whenever that opportunity comes, we should pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Go in front of the Blessed Sacrament and pray. Spend 30 minutes if possible. If you can sacrifice 30 minutes, 15 minutes, and talk to him. Talk to him. Say to him, make me holy. Make me holy for you. Give me a great desire to love you. Give me a great desire to know you. Give me a great desire to know you in my mind, in my heart, in my soul, in my very will. Do that. Do that. Sit there and just ask him that. Try to come a little earlier for Mass and pray and ask him to make you holy. This is very important. We need more saints. All right? We need more people to pray like this. We're going through a very drastic time. Our culture is falling apart. And our world is is lost but we need saints we need to be holy we need to love uh, to love god and we need to love our neighbor and the best way to do that people ask how do you do that by becoming a saint to love your neighbor means you want the best for them if we're living in a time now it's very hard you know Putting a Bible in front of a person, preaching in front of a person is not going to help. Show that person and said, show that person the love for God. Be kind to them. Be uh, take an opportunity to 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 do something good for them. Um. Let's follow the let's follow the footsteps of the footsteps of Christ. One, let's stop gossiping. Two, let's stop wasting our time with shallow things like shallow things of the culture. Really, let's stop with the the idol worship of celebrities. Let's stop the um, the listening of bad music. Let's stop listening. Let's stop wasting our times with TikTok. Okay. These things are meant to distract you. They are deliberately meant to distract us from, from the important things of life. Okay, let's really stop that. Okay, let's not waste our time with the superhero crap, with the Marvel stuff. Let's, you know, really put them all away. All these things, I mean, I notice like there's a lot of people very angry about their pop culture icons sort of like being mutilated by wokeness by all that stuff you know what good 
Because what we really need to do is develop things that actually, they don't belong to you. They're, they're properties of these big companies. They can do whatever they want with them. And there's an attack against moral core values. The attack against family. The redefinition of family. The redefinition of the individual. They're destroying the individual. Um, trying to say the individual doesn't matter. The person that's made in the image and likeness of God doesn't matter. That, you know, you're not really a boy. You're not really a girl. You're not really a man. You're not really a woman. There's no such, there's, there's no such thing as father and mother. We got to get rid of the definition of father and mother. All those things are satanic attacks. All right. This whole gender uh, reassignment stuff, they're all attack against the image and likeness of God. God created man and woman in his image and in his likeness. We can't, we can't let this satanic authority, whatever it is, this satanic people destroy that. Also, there's the anti-gospel going around. What is the anti-gospel? Marxism. Like Fulton Sheen said in his book, Marxists took the cross without the Christ. Hitler took the cross without the Christ too. You know what he wound up uh, creating? The swastika. What His Nazis went around churches, Protestant churches, and they even did it in Catholic churches where they covered the cross with the flag of a swastika. The, the, the Marxist created the hammer and sickle. It's an authoritarian. It's the cross with, with you know, an authoritarian, which is an antichrist thing. The cross before Christ during the Roman Empire was a symbol of pain and suffering. Christ took it and made it his throne. He was nailed to it and it became a symbol of redemption and mercy. The crucifix, the cross became mercy, became love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, in the West, and this was all, of course, you know, Nazism is gone, but still, there's it will definitely always symbol of it. Just like the the Soviets, they took it and they made it into an authoritarian, you know, equality, uh, unity, unity, uh, you know, uh, man doesn't need a lot of things. Man can live without materialism. Man can live without property. Uh, the service of the state, again, the pagan idol thing where the state knows, no, uh, becomes father and mother, becomes God. No, no, absolutely not. But in the West, here, in the materialistic West, Fulton Sheen reverses it. Instead, they took Christ without a cross and made him into an activist, made him into a... Um, a, a, a social activist, a, uh, uh, you know, they wanted to make him into another uh, a Martin Luther King. Uh, they made him uh, a Christ without, a, without scars. Only heaven can show you true divine love with scars. 
Oh, without the cross, there's no personal sin. There's no repentance of sin. There's only social sin, political uh, political sins. You see that, right? About racism, about uh, injustice, social injustice, environmental injustice. Uh, you know things. Uh, you know, basically, it's all just shallow things, but no personal accountability. No repentance, no love for God. An effeminate materialistic Christ. And that's something we don't need. We need the Christ with the cross is the truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever should believe in him shall live forever and repent of their sins. For he died for the sins of the world personal sins all right where we love ourselves and we do not love neighbor or god we love our sins and we hurt our neighbor and we hurt god that's we need christ with the cross so repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand all of us must repent or we will die in our sins. All right, let's move on to the next reading. All right, so uh, a little recap from uh, last week, which I just, I just want to try to catch up here a little bit. Here we have uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 6 to 10. We speak a wisdom to those who are mature, not a wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. Rather, we speak God's wisdom, mysterious, hidden, which God predetermined before the ages for our glory, and which none of the rulers of this age knew, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but as is written, what eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and what has not entered the human heart, what God has prepared for those who love him. This God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit scrutinizes everything, even the depths of God. What does he mean by if they knew? What St. Paul is saying here, what is he, what, what does he mean by it? If they knew they would not have crucified the, the Lord of glory, does he, does it mean they would have acknowledged him? I wonder. I don't think so. I think what, when you really think about it, if the rulers of this world, he says, if the rulers of this age knew, if they have if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I think they, they, if they understood what the crucifixion meant, it would have meant giving the world, it would have meant they would, they would have surrendered the world. They would have given up their power. It doesn't say there they willingly would have wanted to be saved. No, 
I believe that they would have done everything in their power to stop Christ from taking away their power, which means it would have meant not to crucify him, meant to keep their sinful power, to keep their sinful ways. Because crucifixion, the crucifixion was giving up, was, was, was a defeat for them. A defeat. Nailing him to the cross meant salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then he goes on to say, of course, as it written, what I, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and what has not entered the human heart, what God has prepared for those who love him. This God has revealed to us through the spirit for the spirit scrutinizes everything, even the depth of God. Even the depth of God's love. If you, if we all knew the truth, if we knew that his death on the cross meant our salvation and meant breaking, breaking our captivity to sin. All right. And meant our liberation. If we knew that, of course, you know, I think we, we want to be free. But there are those people who don't want to be free from sin, who don't want to give up their power, who don't want to give up, who, who by pride and vanity don't want the will of God. They like their sin. They like their power. So maybe they would have done everything they could to stop him from going to the cross because they don't want things to change. You know, because remember, some Pharisees did not believe they had sin. So they remain in their sins. There are a lot of people like that. There are a lot of people that want their will and they like their sin. And therefore, they do not want things to change. So in some ways, it makes me question it. And I think it's a little frightening because that means you choose your damnation. You choose to die because we're mortal. Our sins mean our death. It means death and it means dying without, without salvation. If we choose, it's scary when you think about it, right? I mean, would they have stopped him because they don't want to give up their sinful ways? The Gentiles don't want to give up the sinful ways of life, the, the power to rule over other other people. And would some of the, the Jewish religious leaders, they would not want to have given up the old covenant practices and the fulfillment of the prophets bring uh, where where the gospel goes out to both Jew and Gentile, uniting people, but also it meant ending the old rituals would they have chosen not to crucify him stop him from going to the cross if they could to keep the old ways which meant living in sin and still living with judgment over our heads never to be redeemed strange and maybe it's frightening but maybe it's true but
God worked it out. God hid the truth from those who thought they were wise and revealed to those who were humble, as Christ would say. It's beautiful, but it's a mystery, we'll never, well, mystery. But we have to realize that God worked it out, that his love would prevail for those who love him. All right, let's continue. All right, so last week was Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 to 37. It's a, it was a long one, but I'll read it. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Okay, glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from, from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there recall to your brothers, recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar, go first and reconcile with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you shall be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose 
one of your members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, do not take a false oath, but make a good good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. No, uh, your, your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. So, this is part of the Sermon on the Mountain. He is the fulfillment. And this is something I think that's very important. Why I think, um, I think a lot of Catholics are having a hard time. One, I don't think a lot of Catholics are very familiar with the Sermon on the Mountain. And I mean by familiar, they know, they know the reading, but you have to be familiar to what is to open the scriptures. What does he mean? What is he saying? Well, you have to, you can't, you can't know Jesus. You can't know the New Testament if you don't know the Old Testament. And that and this is also, unfortunately, uh, lack of familiarity with the scriptures. Everything that he's saying, I, he said, I have not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, the law that God has given to, to, to Israel and the prophets, all the prophecies that were speaking of the Christ and the gospel. This is why the chosen is very good because they give you bits and pieces of what the prophets said. Behold, a light shall rise in the in among Galilee of the Gentiles, and the Gentiles will begin to hope. That it was always God's plan to send his love, to send his word to the nations, to those outside of Israel, and that he would bring the two together to 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 Jerusalem. That they'll all be sitting, they'll all be sharing, they'll all be worshiping together. But unfortunately, I think, um, and this is my, I'm not saying I know it all, but I've noticed since I've entered the Catholic church, um, that there seems to be a weakness in this, a weakness among the clergy to be, to be able to preach this, like almost, uh, a fear or maybe ignorance um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think things will be far more greater and better if every Catholic actually took time to read their Bible. 
And I think, you know, in most cases, it seems to be like, I don't know, there's always a battle. I don't know why this always seems like this battle. Well, we're not Protestants. Yeah, but still the Bible comes from the church. The Bible comes from the church. All, everything we're doing, all the devotions, the rosary, the stations of the cross. Um, why do we have these readings? Why do we have a three-year cycle reading? Vatican II gave us a beautiful three-year cycle reading. And 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 an in-depth to know, to know the scriptures, to know the mass better, to know what what all the you know what the mass is and what what you know who Jesus is the prophecy of the, of the virgin shall conceive from Isaiah's gospel i mean Isaiah's book the prophecy all these things the promise made to Abraham the prophecy of the suffering servant from Isaiah all these things are all there he says not one letter, okay, meaning, you know, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. You know, here, Jesus said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I come not to abolish, but to fulfill them. I mean, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called great, greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Everything has to be fulfilled. Everything. Everything has to be fulfilled. And whoever... I think with all honesty does not teach the scriptures. Okay. Uh, is least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does not obey them is least in this kingdom of heaven. So therefore, you know, I think this goes just as much for the Pharisees. Um, as well as I think it goes for some of our, our, uh, our our, uh, our self righteous leaders, that if you do not obey, if you do not teach these things, you're the you are the least in the kingdom of heaven, and that also that our 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 knowledge of Christ, our relationship with Christ, must surpass that of everyone, because it's not just it's not just our religious leaders, but also there's a lot of Catholics, liberal Catholics, who think that you don't have to you don't have to believe all these things. That you don't have to believe that the, all this is really true. You know, who teach the faith that it's a uh, a social justice faith, that social justice is the key is 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 the key. No, you have to know Christ Jesus. You have to know Him. You have to love Him, and you have to believe in Him. There is, you know, and I think a lot of this is deliberately done to prevent people from becoming saints. Think about it. How many? How often have we heard the problem that many Catholics do not believe in the real presence? They don't believe in the real presence because our religious leaders are not teaching it, and they're not teaching. The, they're not teaching the the faith. They're not teaching the scriptures. They're not teaching any of this. 
focus on social justice. I think because a lot of them don't know. I think a lot of them have been badly trained. I've been badly formed. Then he goes on. You have heard it was said, you shall not kill, and whoever kills shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother is liable for judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, okay, uh, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. Uh, and whoever says, you fool, shall be liable to Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and they will they recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift at the altar. Go first to the to be reconciled with your brother. Then come back after your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge and the judge will hand you over to the guard. Okay, so here... Unfortunately, we can see this, we hear this, a lot of people have, with their, their families and friends, have bad relationships. Serious bad relationships. They don't know how to forgive. They don't know how to love. And also, people do not uh, take certain words seriously, what you say to people. And also, how you treat your 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 family members badly how you treat your friends badly. People don't watch what they say and what they do. And also, of course, also I think is also the lack of teaching because if you do not reconcile even the smallest and the worst sins, you will, we're going to have to answer for them, even in purgatory. And a lot of people say, well, maybe I won't make it to heaven right away. I'll just be able to make it to purgatory. You shouldn't even think that way. That is presumptuous thinking. By thinking that way, you may not even make it to purgatory by thinking that way. Because you're taking God's mercy for granted. You're treating, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're actually belittling God. You're insulting God by thinking that way. No, you should aim for heaven. You should aim for heaven and do not presume purgatory. Because if you're going to think that way, then how great will your sins become? I mean, you know, you're going to take a lot of things for granted. You should take sin seriously. And you should take your relationship with God seriously. Don't presume purgatory. Okay? Don't take God's mercy, God's forgiveness for granted. And don't take sin so lightly. Okay, don't even do that. They, they, you should never think that way. That is really insulting to God's, to, to God's greatness. None of this. Don't ever do that. Okay, purgatory, that's up to God's mercy, up to God's judgment. But you, your relationship with the Lord should be extremely serious. Because that's what he's saying here. You may not even make it to to the prison. You may you you probably what the what the truth is, you're taking it for granted. You're aiming for hell. So, and then he says you shall not be released until you pay the last penny. So you don't know. I mean, what if what if you what if it's not purgatory? What if it's hell? Because when you think that way, 
Right there, you already moved into the realm of mortal sin by presumptuous thinking. Then he goes on to say, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to have one of your members, uh, better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into Kehenna, which is hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into Kehenna, hell. It also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman must uh, has already committed adultery. Again, you have heard it was said to your ancestors, do not take a false oath, but make a good on the Lord that you, uh, that uh, Lord, all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all, not by heaven or for it's God's throne or the earth for it's his footstool, nor by Jerusalem for it is city of the great king. Do not swear by your head or you cannot make one single hair white or black. Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. All right. Take sinful thoughts. Take, I mean, today we live in a time now where we have access. Uh, trust me, even I know this myself because I'm a guy. Um, sinful sensual pornographic images will stick to your head. Your imagination is very powerful. It is extremely powerful, my friends. Okay. It can linger there for a long time, linger there forever, and it will affect the way you look at things. It's meant the devil will use it to to make it difficult for you to pray, to make it difficult for you to, to have a relationship. And it will make it difficult for you to break away from it because images are very powerful. Um, it goes both ways for men and women. Okay. You know, um, for some reason for the last couple of days, I noticed on my Instagram some really graphic images started appearing, which, you know, all my, all my subscribe subscriptions are mostly to Catholic stuff. And a lot of stuff is, you know, uh, icons I've been subscribing to because I like, I want to, I want to learn how to paint icons. I still want to do that. And then to a lot of other Catholic stuff, you know, sites, you know, uh, the stuff with the chosen and stuff like that. But for some reason, boom, these images that are appearing that are extremely graphic and ridiculous. So you, the best thing to do is if you let these things linger, what's going to happen is they will, they will interfere with your, with your spiritual life. Um, block them, block them quickly. And it takes, and I know it takes practice because you got to understand, remember what our Lord said, 
new wine for fresh wineskins. You cannot conform them. You're not going to put the gospel in an old way of life because it's going it's to, it's not going to work. You have to conform yourself. You have to renew yourself, become a new person. And you gotta, and you gotta take it seriously. Pornographic stuff is a satanic attack. Treat it as an attack against your soul. Treat it as so. Pornographic attacks are meant to bring you down into mortal sin where you find it hard to climb out of. Get rid of it quickly. Okay? When he means by if your right hand or your eye or your right eye causes you sin. Meaning if it's something that constantly you know you're weak and it, you have to do everything you can to remove this obstacle, this satanic attack quickly from your sight, from your from your attention. He doesn't really, we know he doesn't mean pluck out your eye. He doesn't want you to hurt yourself. He means anything you know that it, that you know is a stumbling block to your relationship. Get rid of it fast to your relationship with the Lord. If your right hand causes you to sin, get rid of it. If your foot causes you to sin. So all these things, what causes you to visually sin? Remove it. Uh, anything that you basically you, uh, in a sense, like you reach out to, remove it. Anything that your foot causes you to sin, like you, uh, basically, you always find yourself walking to. It, these are basically literal and metaphors. Remove it. Okay. Okay. It could be a friend. It could be um, something visual. It could be something that you find yourself walking past or walking to. You have to quickly remove it. Anything that basically distracts you and interferes with your relationship with the Lord and with sanctification. And uh, you have to also, you have to go to confession you have to admit, you have to confess this because um, sacramental confession helps to renew this grace, to strengthen you, to strengthen you. Because if you don't confess it, you have to admit to it and you and it's going to hold you down. The devil's going to use it to interfere with your relationship with, with Christ because it's, the main goal, carnal sins or any particular sin, the main goal is to stop you from becoming a saint, from stopping you from becoming holy. And by becoming a saint, all of us, by becoming saints, we help the world around us. Christ uses us to communicate his grace to others. We have to remember this. All right, so that is the first start that's that, that that is that is that is the first start everything we see it from Sirach God gives us the free will and God gives us a choice and also we have to remember that the cross of Christ as Saint 
Paul tells us is a, is, is a power and a mystery that God has hidden from the wise and the powerful of the world and revealed it and to us who, who you know, uh, to us and also it's a means of say of of redeeming us and also to we work with him we're co-workers with Christ in the fact that we bring others to him and we have to walk the walk not just talk to talk we have to also have a great desire and love a passion being a saint means you have a passionate relationship with God and this passionate relationship with God will reflect in your relationship with others all right so that's the path to sainthood and it gets even better because that's what basically we're being asked to do. So now we go into the seventh Sunday of Ordinary Time. This is from the book of Leviticus, the book of the priests. But here, here, here's God speaking to Moses. This is from chapter 19, verse 1 to 2, 17 to 18. It's very small, but edited, but still, it's right to the point. A reading from the book of Leviticus. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the whole Israelite com community and tell them, Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. You shall not bear hatred for your brother and or sister in your heart, though you may have to reprove your fellow citizens. Do not incur sin beca because of him. Take no revenge and cherish no grudge against any of your people. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. It sounds pretty much the same that Jesus, Jesus himself said. <clears throat> so what's the problem? What happened? What happened was, I think, is that sometimes when you're... Um, I think with the Jewish people, maybe their leaders, you know how sometimes when something is so familiar that you no longer see it anymore? Kind of like they say the same thing happens in marriage between husbands and wives. They Somehow things became ordinary. They took it for granted. A lot of people can do the same thing. And I think it happened with the Jewish people and their relationship with God. There, they took things for granted. And sometimes I think, you know, because um, of all their unfortunate events of, of failing to be holy, and they sometimes didn't understand why God's, God sent them into exile, especially to Babylon, that maybe along the way they forgot the message, their hatred for Gentiles. And they didn't understand. They thought the Gentiles was the problem. When they failed to realize it wasn't the Gentiles were the problem, it was sin that was the problem. They replaced the sins by blaming the world of Gentiles. No, it was sin. Lack 
uh, sin, reaching out for something that's unholy, reaching out for that forbidden fruit. And then they they transferred it over to Gentiles. The people who did not have the covenant, the people outside the covenant, but it was not, it was not them. It was sin. Sin is your problem. So, in a sense, you could say they put they put the wrong problem in front of them. It wasn't Gentiles that's the problem. It was sin. Love to sin, to break his commandments. That's where the problem is. And so he makes it quite clear here. He Listen to this. Be, ho- be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. <clears throat> How's that possible? How's that possible? Jesus said, be perfect, for your heavenly Father is perfect. It, but the point is, he said it. And the answer to that is, is love God. Love God. And that's, I think that's the shortcut to being holy. Love God. And because you love God, you'll show this love to others, to your neighbor. And in reality, it really is a shortcut when you think about it. You can't become God, but you can Love God and loving God is enough. That's what he wants. Loving God is being holy. And loving your neighbor because your neighbor is made in your image and your likeness, the image and likeness of God is being holy, is loving the image of God. That's the key. All right, so now we get to uh, Psalm 103. Okay, the Lord is kind and merciful. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and O my being, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Your soul is made in the image and likeness of God. And if you bless your soul, you have to bless your neighbor's soul. You have to bless your, your father and mother. You have to bless your best friend. And you have to bless your enemy. He burdens all your iniquities. He pardons all your iniquities. Heals all your ills. He redeems your life from destruction. Crowns you with kindness and compassion. He shows mercy. Even when you commit sin and if you repent and he redeems you and he heals you, you you should pray for your neighbor, you should pray for your family, you should pray for your enemy. Why should you pray for your enemy? Because your enemy is also made in the image and likeness of God. That's why Jesus said, love your enemies because your enemy is made in the image and likeness of God. What does that mean? It also means the Gentiles are made in the image and likeness of God. 
those who are not Christian <clears throat> are still made in the image and likeness of God. The the atheist, the 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 Buddhist, the um, yes, even the homosexual is made in the image and likeness of God. Even though the drug addict is made in the image and likeness of God. The alcoholic is made in the image and likeness of God. The homeless person is made in the image and likeness of God. And if you recognize, if you learn to see, we learn to see these things, which is hard, I admit is very hard for us. Um, we're taking the step in the right direction in, in restoration. In healing the world. Now, <clears throat> we may not have the capacity to help everybody, but by praying for them, by praying for them and showing them mercy and compassion, not agreeing with their sin. No one's saying to agree with their sin. That's, that's, that's the problem with a lot of liberal Catholics. They think by accepting their sin. No. You're, 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 by accepting their sin, you're helping them into destruction. You're deceiving them. You're also insulting God. Help them by healing them, by, by bringing them, by praying that they come to, come to their mind, come to realize their value by giving up their sin. Okay. Merciful and, and gracious is the Lord, slow to anger and abounding in kindness. Not according to our sins does he deal with us, nor does he requite us according to our crimes. As far as the east from the west, as far as he put our transgressions, as, 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 as far as he, put, he, he has put our transgressions from us, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. See, if we love God and we repent, he will remove our transgressions. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't lie to people. Sin is the cause here. There's a lot of Catholics that just don't want to deal with. They think, oh, just accept them as they are. You know, accept people in their sinful state. You know, it's not sinful as the way God made them. No, that's insulting to God. That's insulting. They just don't want to deal with it. They're, they want to, they think they, they found the answer and that's a delusional thing. They're going to wind up hurting everybody. Remember what our Lord said, new wine for new skins. Okay, the person has to change their life to the gospel. If you don't, they're never going to live the gospel. They're never going to live the gospel. And that is that doesn't work that way. That's something a lot of liberal Catholics have to stop because they're deceiving them. They're, they're hurting them. They're committing a great mortal sin. They have new wine for a new way of life. The person, your, 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 your life has to conform to the gospel of Christ. All right. This is a letter from St. Paul, first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 16 to 23. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone destroy, destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. 
for the temple of God, which you are, is holy. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you consider himself wise in this age, let him become a fool so as to become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the eyes of God. For it is written, God catches the wise in their own in their own foolishness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. So let no one boast about, about uh, human beings, for everything belongs to you. Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future all belongs to you and you are you to Christ and Christ to God. The word of the Lord. So we, we have to be careful not to bring outside influences that could destroy, destroy the, the body of Christ, destroy the church. There's a lot of, um, I think a lot of a lot of Catholics. This goes from the clergy down to, it can go even from the Pope down to, to the least of us, least important of us. If we, we constantly, I think we struggle. We struggle because we don't want to fight with the world. You know, it's like that scene with the the, the boat, with the apostles in it, and the storm at sea. You know, the, the two different events, the one where Christ is asleep in the back of the boat or the one where the apostles are in the boat and they see Christ walking on the water in the, in the storm. The storm is very frightening. You know, the, the storm is the world, the, the troubles of the world, the world attacking the church. The first one, Christ. Christ is asleep and everybody's, the apostles are thinking he doesn't care here. He's sleeping comfortably and there's a storm going on and it doesn't look like, and what do they say? Don't you care that we are, you know, we're almost perishing and he wakes up and he calms the storm. In one scene, they're in the boat and Peter sees Christ and he says, if it's really truly you bid me to come to you on the water. Basically, what he's doing is putting God to the test. He wants to. He wants him to prove himself that he is who he is. Because why the storm is is so powerful that it almost makes it makes it difficult to see God in the storm, right? And what is the storm? The storm is the opinion of the world. The world constantly telling you conform constantly telling you to give up it's impossible you can't fight the world you can't live out the gospel in the world and the boat looks like it's about to be toppled over it's about to be over flooded you know, flood over flooded with, 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 the, with the ways of the world. You have to conform. You have to give up. That's what it feels. And so, what he's saying here, 
Paul is saying, do not, do not destroy the body of Christ with the, with the, with the, with the, with the ideas of the world. If you destroy the temple of God, what does he say? He says it quite here. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for the temple of God for the temple of God, which you are, is holy. He's saying here, don't let the sinful ideas of the world come in. Don't let it pollute your thoughts. Don't let it pollute your ideas. Don't let it pollute your, 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 the, the teachings of the gospel. Let no one deceive himself in, if anyone among you considers himself wise in this age. In this age, it means the ideas of the world, the trends of the world, the wokeness of the world. Change to the world's ideas. Conform to it. Stop standing out like a sore thumb. Stop looking so Catholic. Stop being so Christian, you know, bend a little bit, conform a little bit, give in a little bit, let go a little bit, let some of the ideas of the world come in, you know, like some nuns who, who basically, oh, you got to love them as they are. Yes. You got to love them because they're made in the image and likeness of God. But remember New wine for fresh wineskins. If you keep your old sinful way of life, it's never going to work. So basically what happens, you got everything backwards. You're putting the cart before the horse instead of putting the horse before the cart. The, the horse is the one that's got to pull the cart. So you basically what you're saying, you sanctify the sinful way of life. And everything will be all right. No, it doesn't work that way. It's going to fail. It's going to fail miserable. And the ones that are going to get hurt is the individual who's not conforming to the gospel. What's going to happen is they're not going to care. They're not going to care. The gospel is going to be very... Un I mean, notice this, like this, this character, I, I was looking at the little bit, some clips of the Grammy. You ever notice all these people who are living in these, these transgender way of life? I'm not accepted. What do they mean? Not accepted. You mean as you are, you want the church, you want the Christians to accept you. But you, you know, you, you don't want to conform to the gospel. You're not looking for the gospel. You just want to pollute what's holy. They're not talking about Christ. Notice they never mention Christ. They're always saying that the Christians don't accept me. The church doesn't accept me. That's not the point. The point is, are you looking for Christ? Do you want Jesus? Do you want 
salvation. They're not saying that. So some people, some Christians get embarrassed. They get embarrassed of being Christian. They get embarrassed of the gospel. Remember what Jesus said. He who was ashamed of me and my gospel, I will, I will be ashamed of him. He who denies me before the world, I will deny him before my heavenly father. Remember those words. A lot of Catholics get embarrassed. They think, oh, if only the church would just lighten up a little bit. If only the church, the Pope, and all these and all these other people with their rosaries just lighten up a little bit. You know, just maybe give in a little bit. Stop demanding. No. It's not us that demands it. It's Christ that demands it. And so they get angry. They get angry because they want the world. The truth is, the world has already tainted and polluted the way they think. That's the problem. And so they start polluting faith. All right, let's move to the gospel. Okay, so now let's begin the gospel. Whoever keeps the word of God, the love of God is truly perfected in him. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 5, verse 38 to 48. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. And if, if anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand him, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you and do not turn your back on the one who wants to borrow. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly father. For he makes his son rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors, collectors do the same. And if you greet your brothers, only what is unusual about that, do not the pagans do the same. So be perfect, just as your heavenly father is perfect. This is probably the toughest one. It's the toughest one, I think, because one, it's manipulated a lot. Two, we get a lot of Catholics who just don't get it. A lot of Christians don't get it. They, they find it very difficult. What, what does he mean? And he's not saying being, be a pushover. He's not saying be, be weak. What he's saying here is really be strong. Be stronger than the one who is sin, who is living in sin. Be stronger than the one who, who, who loves the world. I mean, let's look at it carefully. 
You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Okay, this is basically the old saying that, in a sense, that many people fall into. All right? A wound for a wound. Uh, an injustice for injustice. Right? But technically, it's often been saying, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, the world would be blind and toothless. He's saying here, but I say to you, Offer no resistance to one who is evil. He's not saying let the person destroy your family. He's not saying that the person who is evil uh, rape your wife and kids, uh, rape your daughter. No. What he's saying here is see that the person who is evil is really weak. The person who is evil is completely enslaved to sin has basically handed him himself or herself over to Satan. They have gone completely given themselves over to their passions. They're blinded by their passions. They're blinded, they're blinded by their carnal desires. They're blinded by, by sin, by the devil. So, don't, if you try to resist them, in other words, if you try to to force them to repent, to force them to conform, they only give in more. They only resist more. They only become more hardened in their sins. So he says here, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on the cheek, right? Turn the other one as well. Now, it's we have to realize he's using a metaphor. He's actually using a metaphor. He's not he's not being literal. He's using a metaphor here. He's saying here, be, be smart, be smart, be, you know, don't, don't react quickly. Don't react impulsively. Don't let your anger take over. Okay. This is not a literal person. Remember. Just like he says about plucking your eye out if your eye causes you sin. He's using a metaphor here. He's using an example. The idea behind it is the person is completely giving in to passion, to their lust. And if you react quickly because that's what evil wants. Evil wants you to react so fast that you're not thinking. Okay, because people who are in their passions, people who are deeply in sin are almost like acting like almost without instinct like an animal, basically. 
right? An alcoholic desperately wants another drink. A drug addict wants another shot of their, uh, wants another high quickly. So they react with pa quickly with with uh, with impulse without impulse that they just want to just they just want the next one the thief just wants to steal right they want to take your car they want to take your your money your wallet they want to take your piece of jewelry so if you act impulsively what happens if you act too quickly it could wind up making the situation worse it could cause the, the death of you or your your um your loved one but you have to basically rely on your heavenly father, on, on, on God. He will get you out of the situation. So offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on the, on the right cheek, turn the other one as well. If, any, if anyone wants to go to law, wants to sue you. In other words, they want to use the government against you, right? Sue you, offer them, offer them your your coat or your tunic. He, he's basically again, like I said, he's using. He's basically saying, "Oh, your tunic, your tunic is the is the clothes you're wearing." Back then, it's like that long, uh, in Arabic we call it like a galabia. Back then, in other words, make them look ridiculous. Make them look, make them look stupid. Make their, their, like you see how Christians are being sued, right? The point is make their prejudice against Christians look so stupid that the rest of the world says that this guy is just, is being ridiculous. Remember. This, the, the, there are people who hate Christians so much. They hate Christians so much. Like you heard about the guy, the baker. He's being sued again by a transgender person. He's being sued by another. He's been taken to court so much. But I think right, finally, people are starting to see how ridiculous the 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 world is behaving the the so-called transgender the so-called homosexual the lgbt community they just don't want to leave it alone he's being sued again and this and and he's being brought before the court how many times is this guy going to be brought before the court so he's he's practicing his faith he says he won't do it and they keep coming back to try to break him. But the fact remains is I think what's happening is that God is using him to make them look ridiculous. Right? And so he's, he, you know, yeah, it's sad. But I think eventually the court has to realize this is turning, this is, this is ridiculous. This is like what, second and third time he's been brought, you know, I think it's the third time he's been brought in front of the court. And you have to admire him for it. So, all right, let's continue here. Um, hand over your cloak as well. You see, he says, your hand, sue you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service 
For one mile, go two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on those who want to borrow. What he's saying here, if if he's saying here, show your, that you're stronger, that what they're doing to you cannot hurt you. If you have the capacity to give, then give. If you have the capacity to help, then help. Okay? If they press you into service, if someone is is begging from you, begging from you, but he's not saying don't don't he's not saying let them take advantage of you. He's saying if they want to beg, if they if you have the capacity, if God has given you the means to help, then help. Help. And so therefore show that you're the stronger one. You have heard that it was said. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly father. Be better than the evil one. Be better than those who are persecuting you. Be, be better than them. In other words, be a source of grace. Be a source of grace. Be a source of the gospel. Okay, and he says, so you can be children of your heavenly father, for he makes the sun rise and set on the good and the, and, and the bad. Okay, so you cause, uh, causes you to, to rain, on, on, uh, on, rain on, on, on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have in other words if you're only going to do good for those like jews will only help jews or christians will only help christians he's saying here be a source because he's talking about here about the image of likeness of god in the sinner okay for you have loved those who love you what recompense will you have do not to tax collectors do the same and if you greet your brothers what only what unusual about that do the, do not the pagans do the same so the so be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect here jesus is taking it is further from what the jewish way was the jewish means was to only help your fellow jews and if we only help our fellow christian then the gospel is not being spread here Christ is telling us, remember that the unbeliever, the sinner, the pagan, uh, is made in the image and likeness of God. And here you are being a source to restore that image and likeness of God in, your, in, in the other people. Even in your fellow Christian who falls into sin, your duty is to bring them back to the gospel. He's actually, this is, this is the means of converting the culture. He's not asking us to be pushovers, to be fools, uh, to let them hurt you. No, what he's saying here is be smart. Be smart. Like I said, the fellow who's, I think in Colorado, the baker who's a Christian, who takes his faith seriously. This is the third time he's gone to court people. He's being brought to court by, by, by this LGBT transgender community. And it's getting ridiculous. And I think soon the world is starting to see it's getting ridiculous. So 
it's the point where the court is going to realize we got to stop this. Even, even though the politicians are realizing it's getting ridiculous. So he's going to win this. He's going to win it. And they're going to stop. Because the point is, his faith is strong. And we have to pray for him. We have to pray that, th that th the courts will realize it has to end. It has to stop. So this is the path to holiness. This is the path to do it. This is the path to become a saint. And our job is to convert the world. Unfortunately, we may have to do this without our bishops. Because they're too quiet. And they, and they don't want to be persecuted. Because I think, with all honesty, a lot of these guys are just incompetent. I really, I hate to say it, you got to pray for them too. I know I'm, I'm sounding very harsh, but sometimes you got to be harsh. You know, they're, they're, they're meant to be shepherds. They're meant to defend the faith. And we, and we need, we need that. We need to convert the culture. All right, my friends. So I'm going to end it here. It's a long one. And, um, I'm going to try to do another one for Ash Wednesday soon. So God bless. And, uh, and let's just say in our father and hail Mary in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now the hour of our death, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. God bless.